Hello, welcome to episode 59 of the With Will podcast. I am your host and producer, Will Brown. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we're still talking World Cup. We've brought back Clayton Freeman for some analysis of the second round of matches, as well as looking ahead to the quarterfinal, semifinal, and who we both think will make the final. So stay tuned for that. Another special edition of the With Will podcast. We are joined by the esteemed, the brilliant, the soccer savant, Clayton Freeman. Clayton, thank you once again for sharing your expertise with us meager podcasters. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Well, that, thanks for having me out here. It's definitely definitely been a pretty interesting first um well, more than halfway now of the World Cup and getting into the knockout stage and uh, a little different, but certainly a lot of excitement out there. A lot of excitement. Um, I'm honestly, one thing I'm looking forward to real fast is to see how petty some of these paper newspapers in Ghana are going to be with Luis Suarez's tears. That's what I want to see. <laughs> that that was um, about as intense intense and emotional finishes you're normally going to see very frequently in a group stage and where Uruguay went from thinking they were on on course for a meeting with Brazil to suddenly out and needing needing one more goal that they could not get and having pulled out some of the players who could have perhaps produced those goals um that's that's going to leave a sting. A big sting. That was an absolute shocker. Um, so the round of 16, 14 of the well, 15 of the 16 teams, we know who they are. Uh, we know about six of the eight matchups in the round of 16. Uh, we're recording this episode bef- after the last round of matches, uh, before the last round of matches on Friday, um, because frankly, the round of 16 starts on Saturday, a super quick turnaround, which is almost never happens in World Cups. First of all, Clayton, your thoughts on trying on on some of these countries trying to get their players mentally, physically prepared for playing arguably some of the biggest matches of their lives on such short turnarounds. It's a very, very unusual thing. I mean, normally we're used to seeing typically three to four days between rounds off. Very frequently, teams will have several. They'll have more time to rest than this. Um, and of course, you're you're still doing with the heat. It's not midsummer heat, but it's still heat. I mean, it's still 80s most of the days there. Um, you have games played at very high intensity, actually greater duration to a slight degree than in the past because more stoppage time is being added, which has been one of the storylines we've seen repeatedly. And we really don't know how this will affect teams as this tournament goes on. Um, This is a little bit of uncharted territory when you're talking about teams playing this many matches with this little amount of rest. For example, Saturday's Second match, you're looking at teams that that played on Wednesday. That's a very, very quick turnaround. And you, as we know, they teams do this sometimes in in club play, but not very frequently in international play. So that's going to be one of the things to watch as this tournament unfolds. 
Yeah, I think that's just like you said. I mean, they're almost treating this like high schools. You know, two days next game. Obviously, the difference is is that um, you know, obviously, the one of the differences is that um, you, you know, you can't make substitutions as freely as you did. Uh, so, so I'm really I'm really interested to see what's going to happen there. Um, but, but you know, like, because I, I really think that somebody is going to lose lose a player because their body just physically cannot go. They just cannot do it on such a tight turnaround. And you you, you hope, you really hope that someone's World Cup dream doesn't end because of an injury of trying to play so many matches in such a tight turnaround in the middle of your club season. Yeah, it's. Uh... And of course, we've already seen several injuries within the World Cup itself that will affect the player club season. I mean, we saw, um, among others, um, you know, Lucas Hernandez, the left back for um, for um, France, France. You know, getting injured in that opening match and just crumbling down with what turned out to be an ACL. Of course, that will affect Bayern Munich the remainder of this season. So, you know, that's uh, certainly one of the things. Um, and you know, we've seen injuries within this World Cup. Um, obviously, I, during the next hours, United States fans will be on pins and needles wondering about another injury. Um, you know, and Christian Pulisic, and whether he or not he will be in the lineup against the Netherlands, because that is the first of the second round matches on the list, and it is a big one. It is a massive one. I, I have a feeling that, you know, he would well i can't i won't say it on the withwell podcast but i i will say he will literally give every single sinew he has to be on the pitch though i do wonder um if i i sincerely doubt he can play 90 minutes that just looking at the way he's walking i doubt he can play 90 minutes is this an opportunity for geo right you know christian to play the first 45 minutes maybe even 60 and give and give Gio Reyna an opportunity to run at some tired uh, Dutch legs. Uh, is that something that you think could be a part of the tactical game plan for U.S. Men's National Team coach Greg Greg Berhalter? It certainly could be. I mean, we'll have to see what he has in mind. We they could start Reyna. They could start Brendan Aronson, who has had some good moments um, off the bench throughout this um, tournament. They'll have some interesting decisions as far as how they approach this Dutch team, which has changed formations a couple of times and will typically go with uh, you know, three center backs and then those outside backs firing forward and, and blend and Dumfries. And that's obviously a counter to the American outside backs who love to fire forward and Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson, who have been, I would say, among the most um, active pairs of fullbacks we've seen at this tournament. Um, they have been excellent for the United States this tournament. Um, Tyler Adams has been over the entire field for the United States in this tournament. Correct. Um, I mean, three players there who haven't scored goals, but in Dest, Robinson, and Adams have been possibly the three most effective of the American players in a lot of ways. Um, I, I mean, Tim Ream has been very good at central defense. I mean, Matt Turner has been very solid in the net. But if you, if you want to look at what has, I guess, set this American team apart from maybe what we saw in some of the 
matches leading up to the tournament. It's been what Dest and Robinson are able to do getting forward and, and combining with that midfield and the way Adams has chased everything down there because it goes without saying it sounds exciting to have two fullbacks pushing up that frequently but if you don't have someone in the middle who can drop back and fill that space and clean up trouble you're going to be hit over and over and over again in the counterattack, especially when your two central defenders are not the quickest in the sport um no. so adams has been immensely valuable for the united states he's going to, have to be immensely valuable again saturday because they're dealing with a dutch team that is it, this is not the 1974 holland this is not this is even no. 1998 holland um but they have been a very solid defensive team for the most part and they have in cody Gakpo one of the stars of the first round he's been all over the field and can show he can score in a lot of different ways. Um, as, and the big question for the Dutch has been finding finding support for him because he has not really had all that much help in attack. You know, they've tried Janssen, they've tried Bergvine, they've tried a number of different players. It hasn't really come together for them with the kind of consistency they like. And the United States defenders will be hoping that they that this isn't the day that they find that consistency. Yeah, I agree. But you know, I also think that um it's not only just the consistency, they really haven't the Dutch really haven't, they don't create much. You know, Gakpo has really created his chances really from nothing. Um which is a a, a good thing and a bad thing. I, because he hasn't created much from nothing. All he needs is a half chance, and you know it's it's problems for the United States. Do you think? Because, like you said, Adams has been exceptional in the middle of the park. I, I, he has been a deserved captain, um, arguably one of the most impactful captains that has captained the United States men's national team at a World Cup. I might even go back. I, I mean, I, I'm sitting here really thinking off the top of my head. He, I think he was more impactful than Dempsey in 14. Um, Maybe maybe Bocanegra in 2010, but other than that, I can't think of someone who's been a better on-field captain for the United States men's national team other than Tyler Adams. Maybe if you want to say Thomas Dooley in 94, but that's really been it. Do you think that they need someone else in the middle of the field with Adams because it, to, 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 to kind of slow the Dutch down? Well, I mean, that's certainly where they'll be hoping they get a big – Big day from Weston McKinney, who's supposed to start all three matches. He has not really been a 90-minute player. I mean, McKinney has been no. recovering from recovering from injuries from earlier in the fall. Um, has been a little bit up and down. And has had, of course, the a miss that he would desperately like to have back. He has been running hard throughout these games. That Eunice Musa has really shown his talent many times um, throughout this tournament and also has one of those things that a lot of people can he he is one of those midfielders who really has the I guess the sense for finding the right spaces and even moving laterally to find those spaces and you're carrying the ball to the left to the right to open up those passing lanes and has been very good at that um, is uh, is still we have to remember just turned 20 years old amazing future for Incredible. this young midfielder um but you know, we also saw um when the legs go in this midfield 
um, things things go fast. I mean, they spent the last 10 minutes of normal time and nine minutes of stoppage time clinging on for dear life against Iran. That was that felt very dangerous. I mean, it, I don't think you want to be in that position. I definitely don't think you want to be in that position against the Netherlands, because sooner or later, somebody, and that may even that somebody may even be a Virgil van Dyke coming forward in a set oh, yeah. play, sooner or later, somebody is going to find their way through. Um, I don't think they can can hold that sort of a defensive bunker mentality as we've seen indefinitely. So they're going to have to to find some way to keep the legs moving and not allow any kind of breakthrough. Of course, that's also to be very aware of you know, what Frankie de Jong can do running that midfield. The, the matchup of Frankie de Jong and, and Tyler Adams, even though de Jong is not, is not one of those midfielders that will just typically go in a charge through the midfield. I mean, he's not like a you know, next right next to Holland, not, not like a Kevin De Bruyne, who has had so many moments for Belgium and moments not other than this World Cup. Cup. Um, <laughs> De Jong is not really that type of midfielder, but he can he can run the game. And if they find the right mix to accompany him, and of course, they've tried a lot of different players. They tried in the last match bringing um, De Bruyne in, who is more of a pure defensive midfielder that tried to give De Jong a little more... Um, freedom to go forward. Of course, they are missing um, Jorginho Vinaldum, who is hurt, a big absentee for big. the Dutch, because he is a midfielder who can pop up in those goal-scoring positions. There's going to be a lot for Adams and for McKinney to be keeping an eye on, and if the, you know, there is no margin for error against a team like the Dutch. No, and I... I... I agree that the midfield has been really like I like you said when their legs go it's a problem. Um, I, I mean, Kellen Acosta he he might as well prepare now for <laughs> to be one of the five subs for the U.S. men's national team. Um, I don't know if this is a match for Luca Della Torre for the United States. He's really good at keeping the ball, but I, I don't know. I don't. He also is coming off an injury. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's played since he got hurt for his club team Celta Vigo uh, in in October. Um, I, I just really wonder what the United States is going to do in the middle of the park once the legs go. And then what I also wonder, center forward. I, I, yes. That, that. I mean, you know, Josh Sargent and. Um, Haji Wright, they are not Stefan Gavarsh. <laughs> they are not Olivier Giroud four years ago. <laughs> he can't be a center forward who doesn't score. I mean, yeah, yeah and, and Sargent, um, actually in the Iran match, Sargent was tremendously active on the defensive end, was certainly helping on that side, but he has not had that, has not been that effective finishing chances or even getting into chance positions where chances can be finished. And that's where they're going to have to, to look and see what do they want to do? I mean, do they, do they go back to right against the Dutch? Do they try someone like Tim Weah as a more central role, bearing in mind that you know, depending on what the status is with Pulisic, you may be essentially changing the entire front line because if, if Pulisic can't go from the start, you know, then are you talking about a Wea flanked by Reina and Aronson? Is that 
what they're looking at. Um, you know, do they do they try you know, Jesus Ferreira, who we have not really seen at all here? You know, at some point, they have to find someone who can score goals, and whoever whoever that person is, they may not get a lot of chances against the Dutch because they have been pretty solid defensively. Of course, they had the one. I guess the, the minor breakdown against Ecuador when Valencia got in there, but otherwise they've been pretty solid and they're, they have a lot of numbers back there. Um, they but, will have three backs most of the time. But Valencia's goal was pure class, like um, pure class for that. Uh, I, I, the thing that concerns me about Ferreira is he does not, he, he might get in position, but he does not, finish as well as he should against really good teams he's he has um, not and we saw that even in some of the matches leading up to this world cup um he scored four goals against grenada but against teams other than grenada he was having trouble finding the target and trouble getting really involved and it, my, when, my you're question, with, when you're doing what could be a central defensive combination of van dyke um delict and ake and you will have to see exactly what the Dutch will field, but that's that's a pretty you, difficult trio to just you can't ex- yeah. count on them making blatant blunders. They didn't typically do that. No, you you can probably count on maybe getting one chance, and you got to put in the back of the net. Um, though I was thinking about this about Josh Sargent, he has not scored for the United States in three years. I mean, you and I know high school coaches in Northeast Florida, who would sit down their starting center forward if they had Josh Sargent's goal-scoring record? High school coaches. Well, and of course, a lot of his, a chunk of his goals have come against Cuba. Um, that yeah. a frequent team he's had success against, but Cuba is not at this World Cup. And the, <laughs> this it's a different de- degree of difficulty. It's a different degree of difficulty for Ferreira. It's a different degree of difficulty for Haji Rai, who had three caps coming into this call-up. It's That's a major obstacle for this team because, I mean, do they... And the other thing that comes up is, you know, if they do hold things scores, at what point do they go into the, I suppose, the full um, defensive bunker mode and think our best chance is Matt Turner in a penalty shootout um, where you have a Dutch goalkeeper in Andres Nopert who has really no international experience up until this tournament. Um, we don't know. Um, uh, fun fact is, you know, Greg Berlhalter, of course, is very familiar with the Dutch you know, soccer landscape, played there back in the turn of the millennium, and actually one of the um, analysts for the Dutch team was one of his teammates back in the 90s oh, wow. at, at Sparta. You know, I've... I've, I'll say I've I've been I've been critical of Borhalter some of his selections, um, but you know his job is to get to the World Cup and to get out the group, and he did that. So, I you know I can't be too I, I have to give him credit where it's due. Um, they've got out the group. Um, you can't you know go back and change who he brought to the tournament. So that's over and done with now. Um, though if. I am a number nine and have any type of American lineage. I might be trying to send Berhalter my tape because I mean, at this point I'm like, 
he could, I, I mean, Alex Morgan, she, <laughs> I mean, Sophia Smith, <laughs> and and somebody could score. <laughs> that, that they do. Um, that they do. And, and of course, even if they do get past the Nels, then of course you're looking at probably Argentina. Probably. I, I don't think I, I, it's been a remarkable achievement for Australia to get to this stage. And they have defended with great um, resilience and with great vigor. Um, and, and Harry Souter, they had one of the, I'd say one of the top central defensive performances over these last couple of games. Um, but it's really asking a lot for, for Australia to deal with Argentina and what an Argentina team that seems to be finding its rhythm and finding its lineup right now. It's yeah. Um, we saw it's taken a long time for Scaloni to find you know, the mix that he's wanted, um, especially with Lo Celso out. Um, but it looks like um, you know, Enzo Fernandez has really stepped up these last or last match of the half for them. And that seems, he seems to be kind of the missing ingredient that's, that's certainly enabled Messi and company to do their work. And we have to keep in mind that against normal mortal goalkeepers um you know argentina might have scored a half dozen goals or more last time out against poland and Wojciech Szczesny, yeah. who has been to my mind the goalkeeper of this tournament um I agree. made a multitude of stops and that's of course the number one reason that poland is still going of course they'll have to be doing with france and the other half of the bracket you know but but we'll I'll get to the other side of the bracket real fast, you know, because France sometimes forgets their shooting boots, everybody but Mbappe, but we'll get to that. Um, I do want to say that I like Julian Alvarez as the center forward for Argentina more than Lautaro Martinez. Um, Martinez, he hasn't, he hasn't done it for me this world cup and Alvarez's movement has, has created more spaces for Messi and other attackers to really uh, hit the ground running. So I like him. Um, I do like Argentina to win uh, over Australia. Maybe not like a 4-1 scoreline like France did, but I, I think it'll be comfortable. Um, I, I think it'll be comfortable enough that they can pull off Messi with enough time to get him anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes of rest in those legs. Um, the other, so let's just stick with this side of the, the bracket. As we, uh, you know, United States plays Netherlands tomorrow. Uh, Argentina, Australia is another game on the on this side of the bracket. Japan, Croatia is another game. Um, and then it's looking like Korea against, I think it'll be Brazil. Brazil should win their group. Um, I know before we talked in our last episode that I think we both had Argentina and Brazil in the semis um, based on how we thought the groups, I think it'll be Argentina and Brazil in the semis. Um, any, any deviation for that for you for the left side of the bracket? Not really, although I mean, it, it has been a fascinating World Cup. I mean, we, we highlighted groups E and F coming in as being particularly fun groups in this World Cup, and they, they certainly lived up to the excitement level there. And Japan has had just this own-off switch that they can turn as far as how they apply their pressure to the point where even Spain had a hard time dealing with that pressure. And if, if your pressure is too much for Spain, it's it's probably too much for anybody. They yeah. and they have you know, played with great enthusiasm, great energy. It's going to be fascinating to see them against a Croatia team that is older, um, but you showed they could 
you know, the first 15 minutes, Croatia looked like they were in trouble against Canada, and then they settled yes. down and began to target some of the holes in the Canadian defense and won you know, pretty comfortably. Um, Japan, of course, will be without um, Itakura, one of their central defenders who is going to be suspended for the Croatia game on two yellow cards um, for the group stage. So I would think they will have a Yoshida-Taniguchi central defensive combination. Um, but, I mean, so much for Croatia is still Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic, and you get those three midfielders, and if they control the tempo, that's going to be hard for Japan. If, they, if Japan doesn't let them control the tempo, it can be very hard for Croatia. Um, one player to keep an eye for. Um, you know, we we heard we, we heard the the you know, two years ago we were hearing a lot of um, my mask protects you, your mask protects me. Um, for Croatia, um, the mask of Josko Gvardiol is protecting their net. Um, Gvardiol is the man with the mask back there for Croatia, and he has been one of the top defenders of this World Cup, getting in the way of everything, heading balls away yes with or without a mask and he is someone who looks like he's head for a very big payday sometime soon um you know, he has been a major star for them and is sort of one of the defensive names that people will need to be watching at this world cap um so i want i wanted to ask you about that like defensively because croatia's only allowed that one goal to to, to canada yeah and i, I mean Canada came out flying like they they took that whole like when their coach said oh we're going to go do in Croatia it's not what he said but you know hey um <laughs> you know and they took that to heart literally and they came out flying but and they almost got a second in those first 15 20 minutes but Croatia was like you said experienced they were smart do you think that because like, Japan like against Germany two goals really Ratat, and next thing you know, Germany was was wobbling. I mean, you know, Japan has been giving people two pieces all tournament long. Um, they they got two against Spain real quick. Can Japan get do what Canada couldn't and get that second goal in quick succession against Croatia? They certainly could. Um, it'll be also be interesting to see how Croatia deals with this because they now have had a chance to see two teams, um, Spain and Germany, that were unable to cope with that pressure when they turned it on. Um, and you know, we still have some questions about you know, Croatia's goal scoring. They, they, we've seen what they can do in midfield. They have missed some chances. I mean, other than the Canada game, they've had a number of missed chances. So that will be a challenge for them. I, it's always difficult to pick against Croatia in something like this. Um, but you know, I would also say this has been a great World Cup for we're looking at three Asian teams in the second round, Japan, South yeah. Korea, and of course, Australia, which competes within the AFC. Two African teams in the second round um, in Senegal and Morocco. It's It's been a pretty solid World Cup for some of the confederations that don't always have teams advancing this far. This is going to be the first time in since 2010 that, that five confederations have knockout round qualifiers so you know speaking of morocco let, let's use them as the introduction to the right side of the draw so on the right side of the draw it's going to be england senegal which quick aside oh if sadio mane had been healthy i think england would be in some deep trouble uh other game on that right side of the draw france poland uh i like uh and then morocco spain and then 
Portugal versus that we don't know their opponent yet. They're they're being those will be contested. Um, it, it could be Serbia, it could be Cameroon, it could be um, Switzerland. So we don't know. But but Morocco, Spain, Morocco's allowed one goal this tournament, and Spain has allowed themselves to get. I mean, yes, they put seven past Costa Rica, but that's looking more of an anomaly based on how Costa Rica played this tournament and based on how Spain has played this tournament. So, do you think? Do you think Morocco can pull the upset because they are very good defensively? They don't allow a whole lot of chances, and Spain has shown multiple times they do not kill a game off. That's going to be one of the maybe one of the most entertaining games potentially of this of this um, second round. We talked about the combination of Dest and um, Robinson for the United States, and I would I would they also around that same. Category would be the combination of Hakimi and uh, Mazraoui for um, Morocco because they have been excellent coming forward. And Hakimi has had some excellent balls coming out of the back. He, to me, has been possibly the top outside back of this World Cup. And of I course, agree. people have seen him for a while, and it, it shouldn't be a surprise to people. But Morocco has had a lot of other players. I mean, we've seen um, uh, Sofian Amrabat in midfield has been everywhere for them. Um, Zs course, scored the great goal against Canada with a little of assist from the Canadian defense on which had some <laughs> shaky moments, but Ziyech is playing with more confidence now than we've seen for a lot of the last few months at Chelsea. And they are going to be a tough matchup for Spain. Um, they can, they can cause problems for Spain and the counterattack and can do things that could be very uncomfortable with Spain. And interesting thing for Spain is, you know, Morata has scored in all three of their matches. Um, they, they took him off um, in the in the uh, game yesterday against Japan. Um, it will be interesting to see if they start Morata against um, Morocco. I would be inclined to think they will. Um, Morata is you know, certainly the more of a conventional center forward. I would. And he has own form. You know, we've seen off form Murata. This is currently on form Murata. I don't think they. I think they would be ill advised to bench him when he is in this kind of form, um, because they have to look at the way this bracket shapes up. Um, if they do get past Morocco, um, they will probably be favored against their opponent in the next stage, and we'll see. Um, wide open. It's that whole and also worth noting. There's a. The way the bracket is shaped up, you're going to have six European teams in one half of the bracket and only two in the other half of the bracket, which is the one which will have the Netherlands and Croatia in it, but also is for Brazil and Argentina in it. Um, it's, it's going to be fairly fairly good opportunity for Spain if they can get past Morocco. However, Morocco is to be thinking this is a real opportunity for them to get as far as any African nation has ever advanced in the World Cup and maybe beyond. Um, they, they could get to the semis. If they, if they beat Spain, they could easily get to the semis. Because I mean, we've seen Portugal at this tournament and they've had some shining moments. They've had some not so shiny moments. Um, I would say Bruno Fernandes has been the key man for them. Of course, two goals and two assists already and did not did not start the earlier match today when they lost to South Korea, which was a memorable finish for South, South Korea as they <laughs> returned to the 
to the um, second round. It, and you know, South Korea is a team that will be, you know, going back to the other side of the back from it, will be in a, a very much a clash of styles with South Korea and Brazil. Um, I think Brazil, in some ways, may prefer to face South Korea than they would have wanted the game against Uruguay, which could have just turned into a slugfest. Um, yes. I, I think Brazil-South Korea is a little more convinced, like to be a little more conventional and potentially more favorable to Brazil, but you know, we'll see about that. Um, I agree with you. I think, I think Uruguay would have beaten Brazil. They would have made it so physical and Neymar, not hundred percent healthy. I think they would have, because the thing with Brazil is they've created, you know, they, so far they've scored three goals, two goals of the tournament contenders. <laughs> Well, they've only scored three goals. Like they, they, yep. they create, but they don't create as much as you would with all the talent they ha- that they have. So I, I, I'm with you there. But like, so real fast about Morocco. I think the the key to the Morocco Spain game will be how much Morocco runs at Sergio Busquets. Yep. How much they like because because they're very good at counterattacking people. Uh, that's how they that, they're really good at that. So how much did they run at Sergio Busquets and make him make decisions about, hmm, do I want to make this foul? Do I want to get in this duel? I think will be very key for them because if they can move Busquets around at the base of the midfield, which is easier said than done, um, they can they can get into those spaces in front of the Spanish defense. Uh, they can get into the spaces where they can really make hay. I, I'm not saying Busquets is the most important person in Spain's team. I'm saying that he is he's what shields their defense. And, and and if they can get him out of the way, even for a brief moment, I think that they can get I think that they can really cause Spain trouble because again, I, I look at how the Spain Germany game ended. Spain should have put the game away. And they didn't. Uh, you know, I, I think of yesterday, Spain had I mean, they had they had Japan dead to rights, and they didn't put the game away. And so, I, I think Morocco is a team that they're not going to quit. And so, because they're not going to quit, because this is their first round of sixteen match, I think ever. Um, I don't. I'm not quite sure. Uh, they, they they got there in eighty six. They got there in eighty six, okay. and they lost to West Germany. Oh, okay. So that I mean, it's it's none of them have any living memory. I think, I mean, they're going to put their they're going to give every single breath that their lungs can give uh, to beat Spain. If they beat Spain, which I think they will, I think they beat Spain. If they beat Spain, I think that they have a good a chance as any to get to the semifinals. Um, I'm not sure who Portugal plays. I like whoever Portugal plays. I'm not saying Cristiano Ronaldo has been bad. I'm saying that Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't, he makes them less fluid. And because they're less fluid, they're easier to be had. Now it's easier said than done because usually they score early. But if if someone can if someone can kind of turn Cristiano Ronaldo into an on-field version of what Luis Suarez was for the last ten minutes of the Uruguay game, the almost on the verge of tears, the fanaticism, the what are you all doing? I think that will be the key to beating Portugal. Unnerve Cristiano. And 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 keep playing portugal is really really good but they 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 switch off sometimes and that switching off is is 
it's okay in the group stage. You know, they did it against Ghana, got caught, almost almost cost them. It didn't. They switched off against South Korea today. This, I think the switching off is going to catch Portugal. Now, when that happens, I don't know. Yeah, and, and then you look at the other half of that, uh, other quadrant of that bracket. We have France, Poland, where suddenly you will have what is a very rested French team. Hardly any of them start against Tunisia. Suddenly got a few minutes. Um, France, to me, has been, when they fielded their starting place, they have been, I would say, at their best. And we saw that for a chunk of time against, particularly against um, Australia, they have been pretty impressive. Um, Mbappe has been yes. very impressive. And we, I mean, yes. Mbappe, to me, has been the attacking force so far of this World Cup when he's been out there. Um, you know, you don't always know what this a team is going to look like after, yeah, you know, after they everyone rests again. You know, I, we have seen teams before where everyone rests in the match and then they the own off switch doesn't come on again the next round, they get an unpleasant surprise. I don't think that's going to happen against Poland, which has really struggled to create very much. And is, is at this point, largely because of their goalkeeper, because Chesney has had just an extraordinary tournament, um, saving yes. everything in sight. Um, I, I feel that France is a strong chance to get through there. And I feel that um, England, Senegal, of course, one of the other things we talked about with Senegal, you know, Sadio Mane, but they've also lost, you know, they're going to be without um, Idrissa Gay for that game because of yellow card Ooh. suspension. Ooh. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Two Ooh. yellow cards for him in the first round. And you know, we also Ooh. saw Kuyate exit determined earlier. And so that's two key pieces of midfield and a key, you know, the leading African striker today, uh, his you know, former Liverpool team and I have something to say about that in Salah, who is not here. But um, <laughs> you know, you, those are three big pieces that you have been missing for Senegal. And that's going to be a, a real real challenge any for any opponent, especially when you're going against a team like England. Um as England has it sometimes looked very good in this tournament, sometimes not quite flowing. Um we saw that against the United States when they we're kind of just huffing and puffing and not really blowing the house down. But I I feel like Marcus Rashford has been, this is suddenly the the back on again, Marcus Rashford. And, and Marcus yeah. Rashford, who is back on, is very, very dangerous. And yes. I think, I totally think agree. Southgate is starting to recognize that and is thinking that he may be the player along with Harry Kane in attack. With Kane not scoring as much, but setting up play really well um in these last few games um if if rashford is scoring like this um england can go a long long way and maybe all the way um but yeah you know, it's that there are always ifs and of course you know, phil foden also scored last time out against wales and if all the pieces are together england is very dangerous um, and, and if there is an england france quarterfinal that will be um, that will fall since Ooh, the category must see TV, I think. Must see TV. Um, I, if England and France play in the quarterfinal, I'll be a little smarter than I was in 2006. Um, I remember France played Brazil in yes. the quarters, and Zidane had his virtuoso performance. And, you know, this is 
pre-iPhone, uh, pre-smartphone era. And so I remember I went to Wet and Wild with some friends that day, and the, I, we kept going in the gift shop to kind of get the results of the game. And the people in the gift shop kept getting so mad that they would just like print out the score of the game and how many minutes were left and update it every 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and I was like, oh, France won? Um, I still think Zidane's performance in that quarterfinal, one of the best performances in a World Cup match in my living memory. Now, my living memory is, you know, post-1990, so that doesn't include anything Diego Maradona did to personally terrorize the team <laughs> in the middle of the field. Um, but no, I'm, I'm with you on England. England can go all the way. Um, Raheem Sterling, I, I, he needs to come off the bench. I would love to see Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, and either and Phil Foden as the starters bring Jack Grealish on as the person who can run at tired legs. Uh, bring Sterling on as that person if you need someone to run at tired legs. But Sterling, he does not, not that he doesn't score enough, he does not finish well enough for me to want him to start matches. If you bring, if, if Rashford's on form, I, I keep playing him till the wheels fall off. And I don't think the wheels fall off for this England. You know, you had France on the other side of the bracket. Um, I thought they'd finish second in their group to Denmark. And so I had France on the other side of the bracket um, when the tournament started. I don't know about a France, I don't know about a France England quarterfinal. I, I picked England to lose in the final to Argentina. I'm going to hold my nose and stick to that. But I don't say it with the confidence I did pre-tournament. I still, I still lean toward Brazil in the final you know, the way I did coming in. But you know, we'll see. I mean, it's Brazil has to, has to put chances away. They can't always count Casemiro being the person who comes in to put the chances <laughs> away because you know, he's you know one of the most complete defensive midfielders in the world. But he, he's not, and and can score from distance. But he's he's not the person they want to count on being in those positions. Of course, you know, the other thing that we've seen now is you know, the injuries. We've talked about, you know, we've seen Neymar, yeah. Danilo. So we're looking at maybe a much expanded role potentially for Danny Alves compared to what people were thinking coming in. And I mean, if you're looking down the road, um, you know, you look at the second round, you know, is, do, do you want, you know, depending on what Danilo's status is, um, do you want to risk Danny Alves against Son lining up in the left side for South Korea? Um, that's that's a scary matchup for it is. Or or do you do what they did in the second round or in the second of the group stage, which is you know, put either Militao at right back and sort of sacrifice a little bit of what you can get attacking from that right hand side, but you increase your stability a little bit in the sense that you don't have a 39 year old right back. You know, I like that better. I really do like putting Militao out there instead of Alves. Alves is one he's been he's he's made this team on merit. But I, I think my thing with Brazil is in a very strange way, they are a more complete team without Neymar. They are a more balanced team without Neymar. Um, they don't try and now it's a little bit probably easier to defend them because they don't have that person who can just absolutely do anything in the attacking third. But I, I think they're a more complete team without him. Um, I'm not saying a better team, just a more complete team. Um, 
but without him, I do think that they need that stability. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't really see anybody score. Like if Brazil, I can't really, the reason I can't see Brazil losing until the semis is because I can't see anybody scoring a goal on them. Yeah, that their defense, I mean, even, even at this stage of his career, and Tiago Silva is still very good back there. And of course, Marquinhos is, has to be yeah. the top center backs. And you're forcing it. himself when he plays in the center is an excellent center back. And, um, you know, well, yeah, different. It, you know, today we, you know, obviously no Neymar in the Cameroon game, but just huge amounts of attacking talent for Brazil, even without Neymar against Cameroon. When you talk about you know, being able to deploy what is, you know, we're talking about a front four of Anthony, Rodrigo, Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Martinelli as a front four, where I, I think the age of the four forward line was looked like it was over about 40 years ago um brazil brazil is trying it again and so you well we'll see how that yes well, so they, they came close to that in the opening game they where they had neymar and vinicius jr rafinha there, there is just so much attack and talent in that brazil team and if it all comes together you know sky is the limit i'm totally with you like that's the that's the question that i have um that's the question I have. I think it's going to, t- I, I just don't see anybody scoring on Brazil, which gives their attacking, their their attack time to get their, their feet into the game, uh, find their flow. I, I just, I think the only way someone scores on Brazil is a fluke um, or a Messi. Um, <laughs> I really, it was the only ways I see it. Um, so it'll be hard to get one, let alone two. I think I just can't see Brazil losing one nothing in this tournament like they did four years four years ago against Belgium. I just don't see it. So that's why I think they're just going to be so formidable. I I mean, uh, they play Cameroon. They should handle them comfortably. But I, I just don't see Brazil really being challenged until it is Brazil versus Messi for a chance to play for a world cup final. And I, I have a feeling Messi is going to produce something that is going to make everybody look like Diego Maradona did four years ago. God rest his soul in Russia. And it's like, Oh my God. I see. So that's, that's why I think that, um, I, before I let you go, because I've so appreciated your time, uh, I know you have a real day job. Uh, what what else are you looking forward to uh, in this this round of sixteen uh, quarterfinal, semifinal, this knockout round of the twenty twenty two men's FIFA World Cup? Well, I mean, there, there are going to be some fascinating matchups um, in in all of these matches. I think. Um, Obviously, for American fans, chance to see maybe U.S. team if they if they do get past the Netherlands. You're talking about getting into the a chance to get to the quarterfinals for the first time since 2002. What would be the third time ever going along with 1930 when the term had a totally yeah. different format. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, some of the the matchups that we have even in the second round. Are going to be fascinating contrasts in styles and, and contrasts in in approach. When you look at, at Japan, Croatia, Morocco, Spain, those are going to be games that 
they feel like they are worth the price of admission. Um, I, I can, uh, it, I, I don't, not, not sure about, not sure how long they will last. Um, some of them, you know, you look at some, uh, some extra time on top of the stoppage time in some of these. Um, but you know, right now, this is, this has really delivered a lot of excitement. Certainly, I think has, you know, there were some questions about you know, whether teams will be anywhere near their best, having very little preparation time you know, with this coming in the middle of the club season. That really has not been an issue. And also one other thing, um, you know, through 40, we're talking about 46 matches played so far. There's been one red card, one red card with, you know, to the Welsh goalkeeper, Hennessy, against... Um, I'm trying to remember red, who had the red card. Yes, it, the Welsh the goalkeeper. Card. Yes, one red oh, card. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's... so. Player conduct, um, aside from you know, the Uruguayan players surrounding the referee at the end of today's wild. game, um, that was wild. You know, there haven't been a lot of disciplinary issues. That we're actually looking at the lowest red card rate since the 1970 World Cup at this stage, and we'll see if that changes. But I, I've been, I've been interested to see. I mean, officials have there have been a few. Um, now and then some unusual VAR decisions. I, I felt the VAR decision against Poland for the goalkeeper fouling so Messi soft. two weeks ago or two very days soft. ago seemed very questionable. There, there were a couple of others. We've also seen a couple of times officials have or worse referees have have gone over and have not agreed with VAR and have set their original decision. We saw that today with the German referee Daniel Siebert in the Uruguay game, we saw um, Cesar Ramos of Mexico do that in one of his games. Um, so it's not it's not a foregone conclusion when the VAR bell rings. Um, and we also saw um, you know, one of the particularly fascinating goals yesterday for Japan against against Spain, um, where in live play that ball looked out of play, and then you see a little yeah, close to the end. And you realize that the rule is interpreted maybe a little differently from the way a lot of fans would think, um, because you're if you have a true overhead view, that was not totally, totally, totally out. And depending on how one interprets out, um, and it, Germany I mean, should have no complaints. They yeah. they they deserve to go home. I'm with you, but yeah, Germany deserved to go home. Ger I mean, Germany a second straight. I mean, I, I we were in this few weeks and I, I felt like Spain and Japan might be the teams to make it there. Um, but Germany will have a lot of questions asking Belgium, Denmark, uh, several of the top European teams definitely had World Cups to forget. Um, oh yeah. Some of them, Belgium in particular will be really greatly regretting some of what happened and some of the atrocious misses that they had, including oh from Lukaku gosh. after bringing him off the bench to finish oh, off. He had games. a few. So, I mean, he could have mm. scored a hat trick in that game, didn't do it. Oh, um, oh. And meanwhile, we've had some you know, real surprise stories. I mean, last World Cup to be held in Asia, 2002, was, of course, probably the most surprise-filled World Cup of all, when you look at Turkey, South Korea, both reaching semifinals, you have the deep runs for the United States and for Senegal, you have France and Argentina going out early. 
Um, this has been maybe not to that level as far as upsets, but there have been a lot of unpredictable teams and a lot of teams really defying the expectations. I think we're going to continue seeing that through through the next couple of weeks. I don't think that I don't think the surprises are finished just yet. I'm with you. I, I think so. But, you know, if there's one thing that came, good that came out of the 2002 World Cup, it's the definite need for VAR because uh, some. Oh, my gosh. What happened to South Korea 20 years ago? That was I was I, if I had been either Italian or Spanish, I might still have looked at some of these referees cross-eyed, but I digress. Um, I don't, they, they'll need, they'll need all of that luck and then some to beat, uh, to beat Brazil in the next round. Um, Clayton, I so appreciate you joining us on the with Will podcast and sharing your knowledge, uh, especially so was so soon a turnaround um, ahead of the, the round of 16, the U S made it out of the group like you predicted. And I didn't, um, I, I, so. I, I had Wales getting out of the group. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I had a Rand getting out the group. So I'm, I'm taking all the egg that people threw at me. Like, how dare you? Are you a warm blooded American? I'm like, mm, I am, but I, I was wrong. Uh, so that's the beauty of this World Cup. People have been right, people have been wrong, but you've been right more than most. So thank you so much for uh, devoting some time to uh, chatting with us on the With Will podcast. Great talking with you and looking forward to two plus more weeks now of World Cup. It, it'll be over before we know it. Um, so definitely want to enjoy it while it lasts. Amen to that. Special thanks to Florida Times Union sports reporter Clayton Freeman for sharing his soccer knowledge with all of us here on the With Will podcast. We really appreciate it. I am your host and producer, Will Brown. The introductory music was produced by Gabrielle Riggins. The transitions were produced by Silverman Sound. Thank you so much for joining us on the With Will podcast, and we will talk soon.